0: Now back into the show.
1: You don't time the market. So although things are much different and have changed and we're not certain where it's going, you know, interest rates are still at historical lows, right? They're five, six percent. That's still historically about average maybe a little bit on the low side so there's still opportunity out there you just have to be more careful now a couple of years ago you could throw your money into anything and you knew it was going to be successful and everything would work out great right but now it's very different so you know we're we're changing things up you're looking for fixed rate debt deals if you can get them or you know solid rate caps uh, that are, that are affordable if you can find them so there are ways I I I can't just sit on the sidelines, right? I have to put my capital to work because, yeah, interest rates are going up, but so is inflation. So if you just sit on your cash, that's not helping you either.
0: Welcome to Investing in the U.S., a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jim Pfeiffer. Jim is one of the founders of Left Field Investors and the host of the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Left Field Investors is a group dedicated to educating investors about the nuances of passive investing and the world of real estate syndications. Now, Jim is actually a former financial advisor and he became extremely frustrated with the one-path-fits-all approach that is the standard in the financial services industry. Jim now concentrates on investing in real assets that produce cash flow and is committed to sharing his knowledge with others who are interested in learning about different ways to grow their wealth through diversification. And Jim believes the most important factor to a successful syndication is that you have to find the sponsor that he knows, likes, and trusts. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible knowledge with us, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Jim. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Reid. Mate, my pleasure. Um, the first question I ask all my guests when they come on this show is, Rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Oh, boy. First ever dollar. Um, I think I I
1: had a newspaper route that I was horrible at. And then I think my first real job was um, painting uh, parking lot lines in in parking lots, just like on a landscape company. I think I lasted three days because I also had to mow lawns and I'm allergic to grass. So
0: neither one of those were uh, successful or long lived. Nice, nice. Well, mate, walk us through your background. I mentioned just in the in the intro there that you have a background in the financial advisory world, and I also mentioned in your in your bio that you you got frustrated with that. So, 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 why was that, and and what led you down the path to become an entrepreneur and start investing in real estate?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, I have to kind of take it all the way back because I'm I'm really on career number five. Um, wow. Yeah. You know, I started right out of college in the uh, insurance industry as a reinsurance underwriter. And I, I kind of my, my wife kind of identified that the through line through all of my um, jobs was education, because as soon as I got into the reinsurance world, I started working as um, kind of a mentor to new people and, and you know, educating people wherever I wherever I could. You know, I did that for 11 years. And then I became a teacher, a high school teacher teaching uh, accounting and finance to kind of, uh, you know, city kids in, in Columbus, Ohio where I live. And then uh, I, as I was doing that, I, I, I really loved teaching, but I, I it was hard. Being a, being a high school teacher is hard. And so I, I did that for seven years. And then uh, then I became a financial advisor. And that's where, you know, I was a finance major in college. So I, I as soon as I got out of college I, and I got that first job, I was throwing money in the 401k, maxing it out day one that they would let me, buying stocks, mutual funds, all that. And so when I started being, when I became a financial advisor, I was pretty confident that, you know, paper assets was the way to go and I knew what I was doing. And then they started teaching me about how money works. And at the same time, we had um, built a house because uh, we, we had, a, a, we had a, third, a third kid and we needed more room. So we built a house, we couldn't sell our old one. So I became an accidental landlord. And this was at the same time that I was a financial advisor and they were teaching me about how money works. And the more they taught me, the more I, and I realized, wait a second, these paper assets, they're not really working for me, but this real asset I have is. And so that kind of opened my eyes and slowly over time, I I did more and more of my own investing in real estate. And I prided myself at the time of, I'm going to put my clients into things that I'm already investing in. And so the more I did real estate, the less I could do that with my clients. I can't get them into real estate because I'm not licensed and, and I, I don't get paid for putting them in real estate, right? So, that's what—that's where most financial advisors are. So, slowly, you know, then I, I just said, okay, I'm going to go full-time into, uh, into be a real estate investor. And I thought I was passive uh, because I was doing turnkeys or I was buying multifamilies and having someone else manage them. But it was active. And then I found true passive investing. So, this is where I'm on like career four or five, I think. Um <laughs> And I became a full-time passive investor, and that is where I found my passion for just you know finding sponsors, working with people, educating people, helping people, and learning myself. I mean, I've gotten the most out of left field Investors, the community we started, uh, much more than anybody else because I've learned so much just from interacting with other passive investors. So now I'm a full-time passive investor in uh, real estate and other type syndications. And, and my mission really is to share this with other people because- Most people don't know you can invest this way. They hear alternative investments and it's super scary, right? Alternatives, oh no. But to me, alternatives, it's the place you live, the place you go to work, the place you go shopping, you know, the place you store your stuff, it's real estate. And so it's not a scary thing and more people should be in it. And uh, passive investing in syndications is a great way to do that.
0: Yeah, no, I I love how you have the evolution and so many people who come on this show have evolved over time to get to a point where they become really focused and laser focused on the one thing that they want to provide in this life. And 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 just hearing that story. You know, insurance teacher. You know, you became a, a landlord. And then you then became, you know, a financial advisor, and then you came in, you know, true investing, you know, true passive investing. Uh, I will say, just a uh, side note. Um, kudos to being a high school teacher. My my parents are both high school teachers. I, I mm. went to school, and my dad was a deputy principal. I know how tough it is at a state school in Australia. So, I, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, t- teachers and nurses don't get enough praise. And uh, just a quick shout out to all those teachers and nurses listening in right now. Absolutely. But- but but I but I know that it's it's interesting as your, your wife says education right it's always, always in the underlying trying to help others did that come from anywhere you know growing up did did it did it did did you have an innate ability to say I want to help others because ultimately that's what you're doing even though it's just through educating around financial becoming you know more for financial literacy
1: that's a great question and and it's never been asked in in that way so thank you for that but you know when I was growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to grow up and be a teacher, but at the same time, I also liked money, right? I wanted money. And I knew those were kind of incompatible. And and so that's why I went into finance. That's why my first career was a place where I could, I could make legitimate money. And that's why after 11 years there, I went and became a teacher because that's what I always wanted to do. And I'd earned enough money that I thought, okay, now I can have both, right? I can be a teacher, And have have the the kind of lifestyle that I wanted, and and you know then I realized what I don't I I wanted to teach people who are really excited to learn about something, Mm. and you know I I was a high school kid I wasn't excited to learn about that stuff anyway so I get that you know that that's why being a high school teacher any kind of teacher is is difficult right but um that's that was where my passion is and slowly I I think I kind of realized that you know my passion is is educating people to to help them in some way. And I prefer willing learners, right? And and so that's kind of where left field investors is nice because, you know, I don't, as a financial advisor, I also was teaching, right? Teaching people Mm -hmm. about different products and things, but it was kind of teaching them and then hoping they would take action on it, right? Because that's what you need to to make money as a financial advisor. And I knew I could help people, but I, I couldn't quite figure out how to convince them that they needed help. And with left field investors, I don't, I'm done with the convincing. I'm done with all that stuff. I just... You know, we provide education and content and a network and come and get it if you want it, but it's, Mm. it's not something that I have to go out and try to convince people, Hey, do this. It's, they have to do that themselves. And I think that's where, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not the kind of person that can force people to, to learn. And I, that's just not in me. And I know teachers that deal with kids all the time. That's kind of what they have to do sometimes. And they do a great job of it. And that just wasn't, it wasn't for me.
0: Right. Right. Well, look. It's not. It's it's a tough gig. I know. Growing up, with, yes, sir. Um, with, with with two pa- two parents that are teachers. Um, good holidays, but I will say you get your yeah. time off. That I remember growing up with with my parents having time off the same time we had off. Um, but now segueing into the left field investors, where did it start from? You know, you, you, was it? I you know it's around your, your urge to teach. But how did you go out and create the platform? Because you know, so many people listening to this. Would be like, okay, well, I have an idea, but how do I go grow it and start it from from scratch? Yeah, none of it was intentional. I didn't think, oh, I'm gonna go teach people. I I did kind of a little bit. So
1: when I was an active, what I thought was active real estate investing, I started a, a meetup because there wasn't a good one that I liked in Columbus, Ohio. And you know, I was still a financial advisor. So it was a great way to meet more people. And I loved that group. And when I became a passive investor, I was like, okay, that group doesn't really fit me anymore. So I I thought I'll just start a small dinner club in Columbus, Ohio, uh, 12 people, largest room I could get for free. And we'll just sit around and talk passive investing once a month. And yeah, I'll share my knowledge because I know so much, you know, that's kind of what I thought at the time. I've learned since that uh, I I didn't know anything. But, you know, our first meeting was supposed to be March 18th, 2020. And depending on where you live in Ohio, that was was when everything shut down. So we didn't Mm -hmm. meet. And we, in fact, didn't meet until um, a couple of weeks ago in, in October of 2022. So over two years wow. later, we had our first meetup. But so the group went online as soon as we we couldn't uh, meet in person. And this is the, the pandemic really did. It's why Left Field Investors is what it is today, because everyone was sitting at home. So we did these Zoom meetings and we would get great guests who would come speak with us because what else are they going to do? They'll come talk to 20 people online, right? Because no one was doing anything. And so we restricted the numbers. We wanted to be like a mastermind. We tried to keep it as small as we could for as long as we could. And then we just realized that so many people were interested in this. Former financial advising clients of mine, friends, neighbors, they all kind of wanted to know what we were doing. And so we decided, hey, we got to start a brand. So we called it Left Field Investors. We started a website, a podcast, and now we have over 1,200 members and we're just uh, you know continuing to grow and we've developed this great community. But I, none of it was intentional you know we there's there's five founders of left field investors and our joke is we're just five guys trying to figure stuff out and that is how we've done every step of the way so i can't take credit because it was not intentional it's just grown and, and we've we've developed a pretty cool culture
0: in our community i, I think Speaking of culture, because that's usually the underlying message that most people build a community on. What are you? What is that culture? And and how are you attracting people? Is it seems to me, just from meeting you, you know, a couple of times, that it's it's a down to earth approach to to being no nonsense, no BS, no fluff. You know, we're just going to give you the facts, and this is how you can go and and become you know, or create wealth. Is that is that the culture, or is it goes more or deeper than that?
1: I think it's a little bit deeper. You, you have it right. We are we are just kind of laid back, and we're just trying to create a, a financial freedom for people. You know, for me, it's time freedom. So I don't have to work if I don't want to, that kind of thing. But I think the the culture of the group is laid back. We have, we have people that haven't gotten into their first deal. We have people that are in hundreds of deals and everything in between. But I think the real part of the culture that I like is everybody helps everybody. Everybody educates everybody else. I have learned just as much from the people that have 150 syndication investments as I have from the person who hasn't done any yet. Mm. And I think you know, I, I joke about this, but there's other communities. And I always say, you don't have to join left field investors, join a community. That's how you get success in the passive investing world. I t- truly believe that. Some communities, if they have a meetup, you know, you wear a tie and you'll and you'll fit right in. Our meetup, I even put in the, you know, in the, in the email I sent out to people, you wear a tie, you're not going home with it because I'm bringing scissors, <laughs> right? We're just... We are laid back, and that's that's kind of the ethos we want to have. And there's nothing wrong with the other groups. Um, some of them just seem a little bit uptight for me, and and we like to have fun, you know, work hard, play hard kind of thing. That's our culture. And, you know, I, I think it, it works for us. So the thing is you have to find a community that fits you, and that's the most important thing. But a community absolutely is what's going to put you over the top as an investor. I, I believe that very strongly.
0: So now pivoting a little bit to what you're teaching today because we're in such a different economic environment to probably when you guys got started. So how are you, what's your, what's your take on the, the landscape and the investments coming here at the end of 2022? It's difficult, right? Because it's uncertain. And that uncertainty
1: means everyone has to just slow down. Now I'm, I'm a believer in, you know, dollar cost averaging, right? Where you, you don't time the market. So although things are much different and have changed and we're not certain where it's going, you know, interest rates are still at historical lows, right? they are five, 6%. That's still historically about average, maybe a little bit on the low side. So there's still opportunity out there. You just have to be more careful. Now, a couple of years ago, you could throw your money into anything and you knew it was going to be successful and everything would work out great, right? But now it's very different. So, you know, we're, we're changing things up. You're looking for fixed rate debt deals, if you can get them or, you know, solid rate caps uh, that are, that are affordable, if you can find them. So there are ways I, I, I can't just sit on the sidelines, right? I have to put my capital to work because yeah, interest rates are going up, but so is inflation. So if you just sit on your cash, that's not helping you either. So we're paying attention even more than we have before to the operator and to some of the the terms of the deals and deal flow has slowed down significantly. There are not as many deals floating around out there, which gives you more time to evaluate the deals that are coming coming through. And I'm still investing, not as much, not as often, you know, and you know, deals aren't selling, so you don't have to reinvest as much anymore either. But yeah, we're we're still we're still looking at deals and making evaluations and investing where it makes sense.
0: Have you seen any of your operators have to pause distributions or, um, you know, alter the, the business plan a little bit, given how quickly interest rates have risen in 2022?
1: Yeah. And it's really frustrating. And it tends to in our forum because left field investors, we have, we have a forum for our, our uh, infielder members. Um, there's a lot of people kind of, oh, man, they're not paying distributions and getting upset about it. And I get it, especially since I'm a cash flow investor. Right? I don't have a W-2. So if you stop distributions, I my income stops. But at the same time, I would prefer them to stop distributions if they, you know, if, if that's the safe thing to do to make the investment better um, down the road, right? Because one company said, hey, we, we, we've we hit our interest rate cap, and so our interest expenses increased 34%. So we're pausing distributions for a month. And my thought is, that's a smart, conservative thing to do. And so, yes, it's frustrating because I love that cash flow, but I would much rather have them be conservative than you know not be able to pay for operational things because they're so concerned they have to keep their distributions going to the to the investors. Mm. I prefer people to be to be cautious and it is it's very frustrating. But if they have if they have a reasoned explanation and they give that reasoned explanation, I'm fine with it. If they don't communicate it and it just I didn't get the distribution, then I'm going to have a problem. And that that brings me to the probably the most important thing uh, for me when I'm looking for a sponsor is communication, because whether the deal's going good or whether the deal's going poorly, if you're not communicating with me, I'm frustrated.
0: Now, back into the show. Right. No, I completely agree with that. Communication is key. People don't like uh, surprises, right? Surprises yeah. are the worst. So keeping up, as a sponsor myself, I make sure it's monthly, you know, communication with, with my investors and then the quarterly, you know, investment reports that go into a deeper dive. Um, my question, you know, in and around, as interest rates have gone up, a lot of the deals I've seen, including my own, you know, when you when your when your debt service increases 34 percent or whatever that number you just mentioned before, I bet you your your revenue hasn't increased 34, percent meaning you haven't been able to keep up. The business plan hasn't been able to keep up with that increase in costs, i.e., yeah. debt costs. And so I, I, I'm of the belief that I think some of these pauses and distributions. And I'm I look, I'm, I'm across, I know a lot of sponsors in the industry and a lot of guys are, are pausing. It may be paused for longer than we think until interest rates start coming back down or until you can start get the, the business model where it's going. But then there's a sort of a trade off, right? Because we're coming into a recession. Like, do you want to spend money, right? If you, you know, do you need to spend the capex dollars or should we pause the capex for right now and just like bunker down the hatches, not give any distributions where it right? keeps enough cash on hand and then, you know, try and ride this thing out? What's your opinion on that? in and around the 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 riding out of the recession in an active deal now versus maybe something that's coming down the line that you know someone need, might need to sell because they've run out of cash
1: it it's really difficult because th- this to me is similar to when we were in in the in the midst of the pandemic right because we thought the world was ending we're never getting back to normal what <laughs> what is going on Total panic, right? That's where we are right now. But no one knows what's really going to happen because you know this time is different. You never want to say that. At the same time, we are coming off of an historical pandemic, right, where everything closed down and all those businesses made major changes to their operations. Now we have a war in Europe, so we have all of these things that we haven't had before. At the same time, recently, at least, maybe in the nineteen hundreds, but so we don't know right because now inflation seems to be leveling off maybe maybe not but it seems to be a little bit but that's not because of the interest rate increases right because those take six to nine months to, to filter through the economy so why is it plateauing if it is well maybe it's because there really are some supply chain problems and the war in in Europe is causing other issues so maybe if some of those get resolved a little bit it won't be quite as bad as we think it will be you know we but- still have A maximum employment. And that's what the Fed's trying to do by raising interest rates is is increase unemployment so that people don't have money to spend. So inflation goes down, right? So there's all kinds of things happening. So I just, I don't know what the right answer is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, investing where it makes sense, understanding where things are right now and making investment decisions right now based on that and I'm not going to project too far into the future because, you know, six months Come. from now, yeah, six months from now could be totally different in a good way or a bad way. And, mm. and if someone tells you they know what's happening, I'm going to avoid that
0: person because I, I don't think they do. It's a, lot, it's a lot of BS. We don't have a crystal ball. Everyone doesn't know. Right. And, and, and to your point, I remember when the pandemic hit and we had to pause the distributions then because we thought everyone's going to, Oh gosh, you know, we're going to fall off the face of the planet because yeah. we you know, no one's going to pay uh, their, their rent. Well, guess what? It wasn't as bad as we thought. Maybe 8 to 10% delinquency. I will say that we're we are seeing in some of our deals and I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. A bit of a covid lingering, you know, particularly yeah. if you're taking over a deal, you know, new value add, you're coming in, guess what? You're seeing under the hood there's probably a little bit more people who are delinquent than you, what you thought. And I yeah. think that's 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 a that's tying to the inflationary environment, right? Like I'm sure you're investing in Class B, C assets where people are earning, you know, forty dollars to $70,000 a year. There's coming to a limit of like the the, the pressure on the, you know, the old, the old pocketbook in terms of, you know, gas prices are going up, groceries are going up, you know, rent's also going up. We've seen historic rental growth and there's going to be a limit when wages aren't increasing at the same time. So I think... You know, back in the day, it was you know back in two thousand and twenty, it was all about panic about not being able to get through um, people paying their rent. Today, right. as you're saying, there's all these other factors going on. But in six months' time, it, it may be different, and it's just about what you said earlier, continuing to put money out in, in, you know, conservatively and in a way that you know you feel comfortable, because the average over ten or twenty years is that you're still going to do just okay.
1: Yeah, and it really depends on the person, right? If you're a person that has a W two and you're pretty confident in that, and you just want to, you know, maybe hoard some cash because you're you don't know what's happening over the next few months, that's totally fine if that's how you want to operate. Me, you know, I'm a full time passive investor. This is what I do, so I'm still going to evaluate opportunities. I'm still going to allocate some capital here or there. It's going to be slower, but that's my strategy, you know. So I think Mm -hmm. it you really have to make sure that this whatever you're doing matches who you are and what your strategy is and what your goals are. And, and you can't just listen to somebody else. You can't listen to me and say, oh, well, Jim's still allocating capital, so I will too. You know, you gotta figure it out for yourself. Now that's part of, you know, when we talk about community left field investors, we're a do-it-yourself community. We will give you tools. We'll help educate you. We'll connect you with all kinds of people. But you got to make these decisions on your own. We're not making them for you. And and it's the same with the strategy on on how to invest in in these difficult times. It's just it's so many unknowns that I think you just have to be really careful, really thoughtful. Where before you could just throw money around a little bit easier and and you were confident that you could make some. Now you have to really choose the sponsors carefully that you're going to invest with and make sure they understand what they're doing. And just like you know a couple of years ago, one of the things I always always looked at was when a sponsor presents their business plan, do they have options? Can they pivot? Right. There's one sponsor that I that I did a lot of deals with and I really like them. And uh, you know, they're basically apartment flippers, right? They would hold these things for two years, three years was their goal. And and they would do a bunch of value add, leave some meat on the bone, and then and then sell it and and make make a bunch of money. Right. And so that was awesome. But my question was okay, what happens if the economy turns and things change? What are you going to pivot to? And you know their answer was, well, we could we could pivot to cash flow instead of selling so quickly. We could uh, slow down renovations. You know, there's all kinds of things they could do, but they would thought of that. And so that's what I'm looking for now is is operators that have backup plans and then backup plans to
0: those backup plans. Right, right. Because there's so many. You look at a pro forma. I'm sure you've seen a ton of them. It's yeah, the pro It's gone out the window day one. It's it's a snapshot yeah. in time. You know, right. I don't think there's ever been a pro forma that's exactly correct. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's because. That's the-
1: yeah, that's Great. the only thing you know about the pro forma is that it's wrong, right? <laughs> yes, that's the yeah, only
0: exactly. thing that's that you know it's, about it. It's a it's a very good guesstimate, right? Yeah. Is what you think is going to be, and and having a range and having flexibility and being able to pivot means that as an impassive in investor, you need to go eyes wide open, understanding if someone's saying I'm going to get you a sixteen percent IRR, well, the reality is probably going to be somewhere between twelve to sixteen, right? It, or it could be more, it could be eighteen. You know, you could you could go over. So if you're okay with the twelve at the low end. And you can you can survive and you can palatable that's palatable, fantastic. But just understand that, you know, um, sometimes when we present these performers, they're not they're just a snapshot in time. They're not actually, right. you know, things can happen and and, and you, you need to be a sponsor to be able to pivot and be able to, to adjust to what's happening in in the market. Because the number one thing is we we don't control the market, right? We are right. just investors. We we we're entrepreneurs and we're investors. Um what what are the some of the big you know, you're looking you say you're looking at deals coming out now are you seeing cap rates expand are you seeing you know business models change um you know I think you, you're probably and I'm just guessing here self storage multifamily you're probably in some mobile home parks what are you what are you seeing in terms of the flavor of deals that are coming out in those specific niches
1: yeah I think that right now it's um, when someone says they have a fixed rate debt deal that's where everyone's like that's the one I want right so mm-hmm. I think. That's becoming more common. And, and like I said earlier, I, I think interest rates are still, you know, low enough that you the deals can still pencil if you have an operator that's that's doing the right stuff. And so it's just really um being a little bit more discerning with some of the terms, especially the debt, making sure that the debt makes sense, making sure that if it is bridge debt that there are caps that, that makes sense. And so I I think it's really just digging down into that because that's where the main uncertainty is. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think we're going to have rent increases like we have um, in the past, but still, you know, everyone needs a place to live. We, we are short with uh, housing units in the U S so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why apartments and mobile home parks are still good investments. It's just, you know, you were mentioning IRRs, Three years ago, you'd look at a 17 IRR and a you know eight percent, nine percent cash on cash. You're like, okay, that that's that's what I'm hoping for. And now you just have to make adjustments to your to your outlook, right? I mean, a six percent cash on cash return is not horrible. I would argue that that's going to beat the stock market because likely that six percent is tax free. Right? You're not paying taxes on that if you do things right. Where you might get a seven or eight percent hope for in the in the market with your with your paper assets. But you're going to pay tax on that. And tax mm-hmm. is the largest eroder of wealth. So mm-hmm. it you can, you can live with lower returns if you're in real estate because it's more secure. You have an asset, a real asset that backs it, and the tax
0: code is in your favor. Yep, I completely agree. And, and for those people listening, you know, the fundamentals of real estate haven't changed. And in this high interest rate environment, well, guess what's pausing, right? Sellers aren't wanting to sell because if we sell a house, I'm I'm a householder. I own a house. I don't want to go now pay 7% on a new house, right? New construction's coming to a grinding halt because all of a sudden that floating construction loan debt that they've got is now a lot more expensive. So they're probably shelving a lot more projects, but there's still a massive need for for rentals, right? So it's 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 understanding where the demand is coming from and what's going to continue to push, you know. We'll call it housing in general, whether it be mobile home parks or or, or multi, for the 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 average person who's just going to want to rent for a longer period of time. So, um, uh, Jim, with with everything that's going on in the world, what are you what are you trying to hope to achieve in the next twelve months with left field investing and personally with your own investments?
1: Well, with left field investors, you know, we are still kind of in in growth mode. We're really passionate about sharing this message that this is attainable for everyone. Right. You know, minimums of $25, $50, $100,000 can be challenging, but there's ways to get around the minimums. We work at a company called TribeVest that allows, uh, that helps people invest in groups. So I think group investing is something we're really looking looking to do uh, in 2023, because what that does is it does three things. If you are investing with a group of 10 people and you have $50,000 to allocate, well, now you could maybe get into 10 deals in, instead of one, right? Because now you can invest $5,000 in each deal. And, and what does that do? It does the second great thing is you get diversification, where before you'd be in one deal. Now you're intense. So you're diversified. But the most exciting thing about being in a, you know, investing this way is that you created your own little mini mastermind you're taking action within your small community, right? Left field investors, the big community, your tribe or your group that you're investing with is a small community. So, if I bring a deal to our group, you're going to say, hey, Jim, what about this? What about this? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn and you're going to learn and we're all going to get better at it. So, that's why, you know, that's one of the things we're really pushing is just to give access to everybody. You don't need to have large amounts of money to do this. You have to have some, right? This isn't like, just getting into into real estate with no money down. That Certainly, you can't do that in real estate syndications, but you can get into for lower than you think. So spreading that that knowledge is, is part of what we're doing. And, and as far as me personally, I'm still just looking for cash flowing assets because what I want is cash flow. I want the, what whatever I'm investing in, I want it to have a current benefit. That's what the stock market doesn't have. That's what mutual funds don't have. There's no current benefit. I am buying a piece of paper. I'm holding it and hoping that, you know, a few years from now, I can sell it to somebody else for more, right? And hope is not a strategy. So, I prefer to have real assets that produce cash flow because cash flow is money in my pocket, which means I can do stuff with it.
0: Yep. I love it. Mate, at the end of every show, we like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Sure. Absolutely. Mate, question number one is, what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Um, it sounds maybe weird. I, I work
1: from home now. And so I lost my commute and my commute was where I listen to podcasts. So now I walk, I walk an hour every day in the morning. First thing, you know, once I get the help get the kid to school, I go for a walk, I listen to podcasts and, or I, you know, turn off my headphones and just walk and think. And it's just a, it's a nice way to start the day. And, you know, I listen to my podcast on two and a half times. So I, I get a lot, I get, <laughs> I get a lot of knowledge quickly. My, my wife doesn't think I can understand it all, but I understand enough and it's just it's a nice start to my day.
0: I oh, love it, love it. Question number two is: Who's been the most influential person in your career to date?
1: Well, that's a tough one. As I said, I've, I'm in multiple careers, but I think influential. Well, first of all, you know, my my father. I kind of followed his footsteps into insurance and finance, and and I really looked up to how he uh, provided for the family. So that that's one. And I think really my my first realtor um, when I was looking to sell my uh, my. When I was an accidental landlord, I wanted to sell that property when I finally could, when the market changed. And that realtor is the one that got me hooked on real estate because he said, hey, how about instead of selling it, I manage it for you. And I had that house paid off. And he said, why don't you refinance it and we'll go buy two more. And I did that. And without him, I don't think I'd be
0: in real estate and I don't know where I'd be. So he he gets a lot of credit for that for sure probably still chasing kids around the school, telling them to pick up trash after at <laughs> probably, recess, right? <laughs> probably, you're right about that. <laughs> Question number three is, what's the most influential tool in your business? And when I say a tool, it could be a physical tool, like a journal or a phone, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it?
1: Well, I mean, everyone struggles, I think, with email, but I, I spend all day on email and and it's become easier for me to utilize since I met, uh, I don't know if you know, Derek Clifford, but he... Hmm he taught me some, some tricks with Gmail, how to filter stuff and how to clean up your inbox. And I know it's lame saying email is influential, but I spend so much time on it and, and his tips and tricks of filtering and, and making, you know, making it just easier to use. So that that's really, I think, uh, I think what's been helping me lately now, you know, six months from now, it'll be something different,
0: but right now I'm really kind of trying to knock out the email in a better way love it. Uh question number 4 is in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career what did you learn from that failure?
1: Biggest failure um was not adequately um screening sponsors and just throwing money at sponsors who were not qualified. And and now I've learned through my community ways to avoid that, but that 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 is definitely the biggest failure and it cost me some money.
0: Yeah, right. Last question, where can people reach you to continue the conversation They want to be in your sphere? Where do they go? Uh,
1: you can go to leftfieldinvestors.com. There's a subscribe button to get on our newsletter. There's a uh, contact us button, which goes directly to me. Or if you just want to chat with me, you're welcome to email me at jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. Um, I talk to three or four new members almost every day. And uh, and so, so do some of the other founders. We're happy to talk to people about what Leftfield Investors is and, and how it can help you.
0: Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you for taking some time to jump on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think, you know, in the beginning, your story about pivoting five different times, and I think that is so so common to all the people I have on this show. We're, we're, we're curious beings, and we always like to, to keep, you know, you know being curious about different things until we find the passion that we want to go out and do for the rest of our life. And I think you've found that, and it was all, as you said, through education, uh, but you've been able to combine you know, earning the money with the education piece, which is really to your core what you've been put on this earth to do, which I think is freaking awesome. I like what you said earlier. We're in uncertain times. I think it's so true. Humans are innately wanting to have certainty in life to know that this is going to be the right decision or this is where we're headed. But right now we're not in uncertain times, but still keep placing money, you know, with with you know with with a caveat that you're doing it in a prudent way with prudent sponsors because over the long term you're still going to make money in real estate and then the last thing is that you know we don't know what's coming down the line you know, keep being educated joining groups like yourself creating a platform of left field investors to to have a community of other like minded investors coming together sharing knowledge so the greater good of others can go out and make those smart investments I think is so key to your success um, did I leave anything out in that quick summary just then.
1: No, it's amazing. You you nailed it. You know, I
0: I, I do a podcast as well, and um, that summary was awesome. You did a great job. Awesome, man. Well, look again. Thank you so much for jumping on the today's show. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up very very soon. Thank you very much. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Jim. If you do want to check him out, go over to leftfieldinvestors.com or it's jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. Check him out. All the today, all the links from today's show will be on our show notes on reedgoosters.com. But Jim's got some incredible stuff going over at Leftfield Investors in the community he's trying to create to share the knowledge with others about the benefits of investing in hard assets and not just in paper, paper assets. I want to thank you all for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ. We're going to do this all again next week. And the easiest way to get back to this show is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. We're going to do it, as I said, all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.